Welcome to the Tech Policy Podcast. I'm Evan Schwartz-Traber, your host. On today's show, the FCC looks to unlock the cable box, but shouldn't the agency just kill the box or let it die? Joining me to discuss this is someone who has about as much charisma as a cable box himself, Baron Soka, president of Tech Freedom. Baron, thank you for joining me. Pot column kettle black there, Evan. <laughs> so uh, let's get into it. We've talked about this on the show before, but just to bring listeners up to speed who did not hear our previous episode on this, what exactly is the FCC proposing when it says unlock the box? Right. So the box is the cable box uh, or the box that you have for your satellite service or if you have Verizon Fios. It's whatever that thing is that uh, intermediates between the network and your television. And uh, there are some people who have multiple boxes and who are leasing them and who are angry about having to do that. So it's understandable that people feel that the box should die or they want the box to be unlocked or, or they want something to happen. And the FCC is exploiting that concern. But what they're doing uh, really is not going to help. And if anything, it's going to make the problem worse. And in, in a nutshell, uh, the industry is already getting rid of the boxes. They're already offering apps that allow you to control your television service uh, directly on a smart TV where the TV runs apps or run things on your uh, home electronic devices, your, your smart screens, your TV, your, your phones, etc. cetera. Uh, and yet that's not good enough for the FCC because this isn't really about the box. Uh, it's about the FCC trying to invent an entirely new category of uh, third-party apps that provide your cable content or your your satellite content or however you get your so-called multi-channel video programming distributor content from in a new format that's rearranged. And and so that may or may not be a good idea, but it has nothing to do really with the set-top box. Well, just to, yeah, to clarify exactly what that world would look like if the FCC proposal goes through and somehow makes it through court and is not made irrelevant in the intervening years, um, they would force... MVPDs, when we say MVPDs, we mean the telephone, satellite, or cable company that provides you with a set-top box. So MVPDs would have to alter their equipment to allow the signal that they send to your cable box to be sent to a third-party box from another company, maybe Amazon, maybe another company that would manufacture a third-party box, which could then be sold to a consumer. And there's the obvious concern there of a major cost for MVPDs to comply with this, altering equipment. We see in most of the business world that when businesses are forced to do something they don't want to do that increase their costs, it's generally the customer that gets that. So there's an obvious concern there. But, you know, in theory, customers hate you know, paying 15 to $20 a month to rent a set-top box, but we're already seeing the market move away right. from that. Well, ho- hold on, because what you just described is how the previous attempts to regulate worked. So the FCC is doing something different here. This is really not about the box. It's not about uh, third-party independent boxes. It's now the FCC is saying that when the statute says device and equipment, that the FCC should make sure that third-party devices and equipment are available. The FCC is saying, well, actually, Congress meant apps, not devices. So this is the thing that people really have a hard time getting their, their heads around. What the FCC wants is a situation where, uh, in addition to the Xfinity app from Comcast, you can get the same programming inside the Google TV or the Apple TV or the Facebook TV app 
that where it's rearranged and, and presented to you in some different uh, format. So that in both cases, the point of apps is that they free you from having to have a box at all. So you may not need a box or you may have some independent third party thing like a Chromecast or your smart TV. You're going to have some piece of third party hardware. And that's what the statute was supposed to do. Nobody's against that. Everyone's agreeing that that consumers should have multiple choices for the device that they use. The only question is, is the cable company going to and the uh, telephone and satellite companies are they going to present their service to the consumer in their own app as they're starting to do? Or is the FCC going to mandate that the underlying content has to be essentially unbundled and, and given to third parties to develop new apps? So it really has nothing to do with the hardware itself. It's now all the FCC equating the words device and equipment with apps. So let's talk about their justifications, because that gets to your point about the device. Maybe in the past, when the FCC has tried to do this with proposals called Cable Card and all of it, it was about the equipment. The big, the big consumer harm that we were looking to solve was that consumers have to rent a box from their MVPD, and that is awful and needs to be fixed with regulation. Now, as you mentioned, that the market is moving away from devices anyway, and Comcast just last week announced that its entire set-top box interface, everything you get on your cable box will soon be available on a Roku or whatever other device can meet the neutral specifications. But, but, but because it would run the Xfinity app. That's the key detail. Right. And, and now, so now the consumer harm is not that I have to rent equipment. Then the consumer harm was that I have too many remotes, that I have an Apple TV and a cable box, and I have to switch my input. So that was a big consumer harm. Comcast's offering, the Xfinity app being on a Roku, that would solve the first world problem of having too many remotes, which was literally cited as a major reason for this. Oh, wait, but now we've solved the problem of too many remotes. Now the big problem is too many apps. That in the 21st century United States, where we live in a dystopia of awful tech offerings, I now have to switch between my Xfinity app and my Netflix app, which takes all of one second. And it is an awful thing that needs to be fixed. So the FCC's proposal really is trying to government mandate a situation where all the apps can be on the same interface in this wonderful utopia, as if it doesn't pose any problems for privacy and piracy. Yeah. And so, so, and, and just so listeners understand, because it, it sounds both in some ways sort of appealing. Uh, it also sounds sort of crazy, but just to explain what their argument is. So they'll say things like, well, no, it's not good enough that you have the, the Xfinity app run on any device you want, which would have solved what the statute actually says, which is third-party devices. As you say, they say, oh, that's too many apps. But also they say, well, but you can't do integrated search. You can't um, look for the same piece of content uh, through the MVPD's programming, as well as, let's say, Netflix or Hulu or, right. or YouTube. Right. Each interface has its own search function. Right. So, so when you say that, when you're drawing that analogy to the problem of five to ten years ago about too many remotes, today the FCC is saying, oh, that that's why you couldn't go to to two apps. And again, I just want to separate. There are two different questions here. Number one is, is it a good idea for the government to be getting involved in that level of design? decision. And I think that's a pretty scary idea in itself when you start thinking about government doing that. But the second one is just is a pure legal question. And, and, that, and that is just pretty simple. The statute says device and equipment. And Congress was concerned with those things. And the FCC is reading those to mean software. 
Yeah, and and before we, I do want to get to the legal question because, like with many things, you know, that's all I care about. (laughs) Of course, you being a lawyer, but of course, a lot of the things the FCC does these days that make for really flashy headlines actually just end up getting mired in court and are illegal from the get go. But that doesn't change the nice PR victory they get. But let's talk about that piece of news that really kind of crashed the FCC's party on Friday, which was the filing deadline for comments on this last week. Comcast, like we just mentioned, announced that the the horrible problem of too many remotes is going to be solved. And you are now going to be able to get your Comcast full experience through an app on Roku or any other device that can meet the specifications. It is not going to be negotiations with device. Just if your device can handle it, you'll get it. And you won't have to rent the box. And that is exactly one of the problems the FCC was trying to solve. But they've also now, they've claimed that there's not enough competition in the video market. I mean, are you kidding me? We are constantly talking about the golden age of television. I've got Hulu. I've got Netflix. I've got Amazon. I've got all these ways to watch TV. I've got multiple devices. I can do Google Chromecast. I can do Apple TV. There's a lot of competition in both the device and the content side, but the FCC doesn't seem to care. I mean, how can they just sit around and ignore the fact that we are living in this age where we have more ways to watch video than we ever have before. Okay. Well, let me first say again, being totally focused, myopically focused on the law. Part of the reason this matters is the law in this case is one of the very few parts of the 1996 telecom act that has a sunset provision which commands the FCC to stop trying to regulate here uh, if the market is competitive for things that you just mentioned, the devices and and content, but also for, for video distribution. And, you know, people don't want to hear this. It's a very commonly um, uh, felt thing that there isn't enough video competition. But even the FCC has acknowledged that there is because you have two major satellite providers everywhere in the country. You have uh, uh, almost everywhere, at least the cable provider. And in a huge percentage and uh, growing percentage of markets, you have a telephone company providing service. And they're doing that because they've like Verizon, for, for instance, uh, and now other companies around the country have been upgrading their old networks to either all fiber networks, which can deliver video just like cable can, or to, to uh, fiber to the node, to the neighborhood, where they can also deliver video. So the FCC itself has acknowledged that the video distribution market is getting more competitive and that even if you were in a situation where you had to get a box from the video provider that you subscribe to, you have more choices in video providers. And that in turn has sparked innovation in this market. So Let's go back to your your example of what happened on Thursday with Comcast announcing its app. Some of the same people who who like to uh, hate on cable all day, every day, attacked that and said, oh, it's a last minute uh, Hail Mary pass and they're just trying to, to stave off the FCC. Well, uh, that's bullshit. Uh, this this is the result of many years of competitive pressure and of, of those companies um, being really actually eager to get rid of the cable box. It's something that the FCC, um, the FCC last year had this working group that uh, was set with, assigned with the task of proposing how to deal with the issue of cable uh, boxes. And there were two recommendations. One of them is the one the FCC has is, is now proposed. Uh, and the other one was the apps-based proposal. And that was uh, all of the MVPDs saying, look, we're, we're trying to get rid of these things anyway. They're really expensive for us to maintain. Yeah, people pay for them, but it costs us even more to produce them and to service them. Pisses people off. Yeah. And all of the customer service and all that stuff. So we're trying to move away from these. 
Uh, and if anything, um, Comcast is a great example because they've been the industry leader. They, they spent billions and billions of dollars building the Xfinity interface. Yeah, the X1, which is which actually does allow some of the things we've talked about. You can search within Comcast, but you get like movie ratings from Rotten Tomatoes, and there's a lot of nice integration there. And they've spent a lot of money on that interface because there's a lot of great competition among companies like right. Comcast, Netflix, and Hulu to have the best interface. Whereas this proposal is forcing these companies to all bundle themselves into one interface, which removes that competitive pressure. And you brought up competitive pressure. Netflix is a great example because Netflix now has twice as many subscribers in the United States as Comcast. And Netflix is often a cheerleader of things that the FCC does that we disagree with. But in this case, like uh, the net neutrality Title II regulation. Interconnection. Right. We've talked about that a lot. But in this case, Netflix... You know, far from a ringing endorsement or a slam, but it said we're kind of uninterested in this proposal. We think the future is Roku. It's Apple TV. That is your set top box future where you have everything on the same device. So, and they said it's completely meaningless to the company. So it's telling that someone that a company that is generally very favorable towards FCC intervention and regulation, and a company that's often cited in this proceeding is saying, "Oh, wouldn't it be great to have Netflix and YouTube and everything in the same search bar?" Because not having them all in the same place is awful. They're just kind of saying, "Meh." Well, it's not just meh. They're saying meh. But really, actually, uh, they don't want what the FCC is proposing because it would hurt them. So just think about their position, right? They are the number one internet video distributor. The thing that they're afraid of is uh, Google or an Apple uh, getting some advantage that allows them to expand their current TV offerings by, for instance, rolling in the video content from the cable company. Now, you might say, well... uh, Okay, so let's say Netflix and let's just pick Google. Let's say they both got the, all of the cable content and they could both have an opportunity to present it. Well, you might say, well, wouldn't that just be a wash and wouldn't that wouldn't Netflix be okay with that? Right, well, e- even that is still not going to be as good for Netflix as the status quo, which is where they have a huge lead, obviously. Uh, but it also misses that um, the Netflix doesn't have some of the things that that Google and uh, Apple have to, to offer users, like, for instance, YouTube, right? So if, if Google could bundle together YouTube as well as the content from your local, uh, whoever your MVPD is, that really gives them uh, an entree into this market. So the point here is that there are certain companies that are trying to use the government to get a competitive leg up in the market. And it's not really about what's what's good or bad for consumers, because again, the, the companies here are already offering apps that will serve consumers and importantly, will free them from having to get the set-top box from their MVPD if they if they still need some hardware because they're they're let's say they're not using a smart TV or they want to use it on their phone and they need some other piece of hardware in the middle. Well, once you have an app, even if it's the Xfinity app, even if that's the only app that's available for linear content, you can run that app on anyone else's device yeah. like Roku. And rather than pay 15 to $20 a month, you can buy a Chromecast for 30 bucks and be done with it. Now you touched on another thing. So it sounds, you know, I, I could forgive a listener for, for thinking, well, who cares, right? So the, the company has to alter its equipment. Maybe it passes down the cost on the consumer, but what's so bad about a company like Amazon making a third party box and integrating everything. But there are legitimate concerns here that have, that have a lot to do with some things we haven't touched on. And one of them is minority and independent programming. Now, 
as much as people complain about traditional TV bundles and having to pay for a bunch of channels they don't actually watch, really, when you look at a TV bundle, most of the channels you're paying for are the really expensive ones like ESPN and things like that. And then all these other channels that get bundled together, it kind of allows them to be economically feasible and they negotiate where they are placed. So listeners might take for granted that CNN is a certain channel and then Fox News is the next channel. That doesn't just happen by accident. Those channels Every network has to negotiate with companies like Comcast and Verizon for channel placement, for advertising, for a lot of important things. And the FCC's proposal would fail to uphold that stuff. One of the things that companies are arguing would be great is that they would get to ignore all of those contracts. And that's why the the third party app makers could, could rearrange content and present it in any fashion they want. Which could include trying to get you to leave that content. So you're in the middle of watching a network and then, you know, a, a third party says, oh, hey, check this thing out instead, which is content we own. That's not the type of thing that Comcast could ever do. Comcast can't put things on the screen saying, watch NBC because we own NBC and get away from ABC. They can't do that. So there's a real concern here. And that's why you have opposition from groups like the Minority Media and Telecommunications Council, which represents a lot of minority groups around the country. You have the Congressional Black Caucus asking the FCC to hold the phone and figure out how this would affect the economics. And you've got four dozen members of Congress asking the FCC to hold off in a letter. Democrats and Republicans. Yeah, Democrats and Republicans. There's a lot of concerns here about privacy and piracy and the viability of independent programmers. Yeah. So what this really reveals is that the, the, the enemy here is not actually the MVPDs or the cable companies. It's really about big content producers, right? Because or, or content producers in general, those are the uh, the companies who make these arrangements for how their content is presented, where it's placed and so on. And you may not feel sorry for the really big ones, but you should feel concerned about the small ones because th- those are the ones that are raising these concerns today. If the entire interface of presenting television linear channel oriented programming and we say linear we mean there's a, you know an entire stream of 24 hour content right if that all gets disrupted um, it might be good in some ways for some people, but it's certainly going to gore a lot of oxes. And those are the concerns that are coming out. And it's really telling that you now have um, many Democrats who are saying, well, why didn't the FCC do any economic analysis of this market? Where are the studies? Why didn't they weigh costs and benefits? Those are things that normally you hear from Republicans, uh, but now you're hearing Democrats say it because they're starting to realize that you know economics is, does not belong to either side of the political spectrum. Sometimes it's minority programmers or religious broadcasters that that get hurt. Uh, and, and it's really important for the FCC to, to pay some attention. Uh, the FCC doesn't seem to care. The president doesn't seem to care. We should note that last week he came out and urged the FCC to, to move forward on this uh, on this proposal and uh, and really just dress this whole thing up as being uh, in favor of competition and innovation, when in fact, there are actually good reasons to think that what this really does is to, in, a, in an important way, is to try to freeze the current paradigm in two ways. One, you're more likely to wind up with the set-top boxes. Uh, Commissioner Pai explained this in his dissent, where it, it, these things are so costly to deal with that if you have to deal, if you're a cable company, you have to deal with this mandate. It, it may actually be easier for you to just provide a, a keep the box around than to do what you really want to do, which is get rid of them, move move to to an app-based model. But the second thing, and this is the one that's really not intuitive, is in a way here, 
what this is really about is, is apps, internet video apps, um, trying to commoditize the cable company or the, 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 the MVPD stream so they can then use that programming on their own, which sounds great until you realize that what that really does is it, is it kind of locks in the uh, cable company as being the company that negotiates with all of the programmers gets all the programming together and then turns it over to someone else. So it's a, it's a, it's a cartel. It's a little bit like the tobacco settlement where you kind of freeze in place innovation. And then you wind up with something like e-vaping where you, you literally have, we talked about this on the show before, you then have a, the predicate date where you say, well, no innovation after that point in the future. It's not exactly directly the same thing, but you do end up really preserving today's status quo. Yeah. And it's important to recognize that there is robust competition in the negotiation side of this. And that you talk about freezing the paradigm right now, you've got companies like Netflix, Amazon, and a bunch of others negotiating for programming directly with the content owners. Yes. You have, and here's some direct competition between Amazon and, uh, FX and Comcast, for example. So FX is obviously on Comcast. You can watch the most recent episodes of The Americans, but you might notice that when you go to On Demand on, on Xfinity, it's only the most recent episodes because se- the, the previous seasons have all been negotiated for Amazon exclus- exclusively. So there's a lot of competition there, whereas Amazon's like, okay, we're going to stake out this ground by having past seasons of a show. Comcast will show you the most recent episodes. There's a lot of competition there that will just be completely thrown out by this proposal because, or not at least completely thrown out, but really disrupted in an unhelpful way by introducing government into the equation. Yeah. L- l- let me emphasize here. Uh, people uh, are naturally hostile to the idea of content exclusivity, the idea that you can only get something on a certain network. But uh, any quick glance at history will tell you that actually content exclusivity is critical for competition. So most recently, uh, Netflix and Amazon have their own exclusive programming, House of Cards being the best example, which encourages you to to subscribe to those platforms. Uh, In the 1990s, uh, satellite companies needed the Sunday ticket. If you wanted to watch uh, the, the football games or big boxing match, You had to get that service. So in other words, banning exclusivity or making it harder actually helps the biggest and most entrenched players, and it discourages new competition in the market. And so what I want is, number one, competition from new facilities-based video distribution channels, like, for instance, Google Fiber, right? I'd like to see them expand more and provide video service and not not just try to resell someone else's uh, service, but also the entire idea of the MVPD service as being something that's tied to physical distribution will eventually change. It's just a matter of time before somebody launches a pure over-the-top internet distributed video service. That would be a great thing for consumers because then you could have on your, let's say you have the Roku box at home, you could you could subscribe to Comcast. Let's say you have Comcast for your broadband company. You could take the Xfinity app and pay for the video from them. Or maybe you get uh, Verizon Files. Maybe they're offering over-the-top video in a linear format. Yeah. And and another important thing to point out here is that if companies want to create a third party set-top box market now by negotiating 
negotiating with programmers and MVPDs, they can do that. The, the real problem here is that the FCC is forcing this upon the market, where, whereas maybe in the absence of FCC action, you would see companies try to figure out a way to get Netflix onto the Xfinity box so that you could have searching between the two. And there's an important thing, too. A lot of the opposition to this from Congress and from minority programmers is about the intellectual property protections that exist in the set-top boxes and, of course, the channel placement and the advertising and all that stuff. It's important to point out that the apps-based proposal pushed forward by Comcast last week and Time Warner has something similar, that actually protects all that. So there's a reason why MMTC is not complaining about the Comcast app because the entire set-top box experience is being ported over to an app and all of those protections will remain. In contrast, the FCC's proposal would throw all of those protections under the bus because the third parties did not negotiate with the programmers and they claimed that they would not have to. Yeah. And so they would get that content, rearrange it, serve their own ads on it, change the interface. And as you, the example you gave is a great one. I mean, think about, um, so the idea that you'd be watching a show when the show is over, instead of going to the next show on that network, which is the whole idea of linear programming, the app might say, well, why don't you watch this other stuff on these other networks? And that sounds great, but it fundamentally disrupts the business model. And for example, you know, the uh, gay and lesbian tech uh, task force chain signed on to that letter. Uh, and and if, you, if you had that sort of, of mandate, or if the government essentially allowed that sort of thing to happen, what you would really end up doing would be killing channels like channels that are focused on niche markets like the gay channel, right? So that's why economic analysis is so important here and why it's so um, there's so much potential for collateral damage for the government to swoop in and, and for people to think that they're doing something good when they're really killing independent minority multicultural uh, voices. You touched on the definitions earlier of or the issue of whether an app counts as a device and the FCC just inventing new definitions of words to justify what it's doing. But real quickly, we're already uh, used a lot of time. But can you just kind of give a quick rundown of why you think this would yeah. fail in court? Well, well, in a nutshell, so you've said a few times that the FCC is trying to enable third party uh, uh, device makers, you know, again, this has nothing to do really with them because those they would be just as well off if, if there were an app from the MVPD. It's all about the FCC saying, oh, no, no, by third party device makers, we mean software makers. Uh, we, so in other words, they are reinterpreting the words device and equipment to mean apps. And that, that's just preposterous. I mean, we, you, you can look at our comments, uh, but we go through in great detail the uh, statutory provisions the FCC is looking at. I read through all of the discussion in the 96 Act. It's a very long uh, bill, uh, but there's there's just there are no instances where uh, it, it's even remotely contemplated that um, that software itself could be a device as opposed to software being part of a device, something that the FCC uh, could regulate. And so what, why does this matter? Well, number one, uh, if the FCC can get away with this, they can get away with anything in general. And it's really symptomatic that, that they don't care really uh, what the statutes say. They will just do anything that sounds good, even if it ends up meaning that they lose in court and things that they made a big deal about end up getting delayed. We saw that on net neutrality. We saw that on prison payphone reform, where the FCC has now twice 
uh, botch their reform. And so they you know, delaying further lowering rates for, for prison, uh, prison families. Um, but, but the, the broader concern is that, uh, the FCC really is continually eroding the line between, uh, apps and software and Silicon Valley on the one hand, which thinks that they're safe. Uh, and then on the other hand, physical infrastructure, right? Which is in theory, the stuff the FCC is, uh, supposed to be regulating. So I, I want to say one more thing about all this, which is, um, the, the fun part of our comments, the thing that I really had uh, a good time writing and that people might enjoy reading is uh, whenever you read an FCC proposal, you always have to look at the legal authority paragraph. It's at the very end where they invoke a bunch of sections. And we were just astonished to see that they invoked uh, section 706. Now, you, if you've been listening to the show for a while, you've probably heard us talk about that. That's the provision of the 1996 Act that the FCC has claimed allows them to regulate anything like private, uh, net neutrality and privacy and, and state laws on, on broadband deployment. Um, so that's what I thought they were invoking because you can imagine them saying, well, somehow doing this promotes broadband deployment. But actually, they invoked 706 of the 1934 Act. So they're two different acts and the section numbers correspond to different things. And if you look at that section 706, that is quite literally the internet kill switch. It is the provision of law that gives the president the power to declare a national emergency and regulate devices or say they were in time of war. And and I don't know what the FCC means. I mean, it's possible that it's a typo. Well, no, clearly the national emergency is what we touched on earlier, where you have too many remotes and you have too many apps. So that's also possible. Far from the golden age of television, the FCC is telling us we live in a video dystopia and it's just awful. And it's a national emergency that I have a remote for my Roku and I have a remote for my Comcast. And now Comcast has solved that problem. It's a national emergency that I have to exit one app to enter into another app. So it's, it's, it's either that or they really can't read their own statute. And, and if that's true, it really just reveals that they just don't care. They're, they're doing whatever they want. And then they're coming up with some legal justification afterwards. And whoever's looking at the really critical parts of these proposals, like, you know, what is our legal authority, doesn't even know the difference between the two core laws that the FCC enforces. Well, uh, the good news, if you're an, an opponent of this proposal, is that um, NCTA has already pledged to sue. Uh, this thing will get wrapped up in court for several years. And by then, I would be shocked if not every single MVPD in this country has already moved to an app-based proposal, making the entire proceeding unnecessary and irrelevant and proving that the FCC should have taken the other recommendation from the DSTAC report, which is that the future of video is apps, which the CEO of Netflix, Tim Cook, everyone seems to recognize except the FCC. And and if the FCC had done that, they could have dealt with some of the, the concerns that are being raised. So people are saying things like, well, what if the cable providers drag their feet and they don't make the apps available? Well, that's something the FCC could validly regulate. Right. And if they had gone with the app-based proposal, they could have made sure that those apps really are available. But instead, they went for something that they don't have any legal authority to do, that has nothing to do with what Congress intended, uh, and that really doesn't do anything to empower consumers to get the content they're paying for on the device of their choice, which was supposed to be what this was all about. Well, that's it for today's show. We link to our press release and our comments in the show notes for today's episode. So check that out and uh, follow us on Twitter at Tech Freedom or on Facebook.com slash Tech Freedom. Find this podcast in the iTunes store on your favorite podcast app. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review. It will help us and help others find the show. Thank you for listening. The Tech Policy Podcast is produced and distributed by Tech Freedom, a nonpartisan nonprofit think tank in Washington, D.C. 
To learn more about our work, make a tax-deductible donation, or find other episodes, find us online at techfreedom.org.